slip-in to do hands-free Skechers slip-ins. Why? Because slip-ins are the easiest, most comfortable shoes ever. You don't have to bend down to put them on. You don't even have to touch them. Find slip-ins for the whole family at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Do you have heart failure and often hear? Those stomach issues ruined your birthday. You're too tired to play catch, Grandpa. Sweetie, you haven't touched your tools since the carpal tunnel syndrome diagnosis. If these seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, talk to your cardiologist. Ask about transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy or ATTRCM, a rare and underdiagnosed disease that gets worse over time. Learn more at connecttoyourheart.com. That's connecttoyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's Sports Station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Welcome to so, as that game ended last night, or as I finished watching that game last night, I, I finished it a little later than everyone because I was watching it on DVR, but I was trying, I was going, all right, how, if I were to try and spin mm. how this grizzly season is going and how that game went last night in a positive way, how would I do it? They're building depth, Mark. Well, no, no, here's, here's how I would have done it. Oh. Here's how I would have done it. I'm you better went, at spin zoning. You went you down are. to the final minute mm. with the defending Eastern Conference champion, mm-hmm. um, who who just who, who just came off a big win. Looks like they're starting to click, and and you know they kind of they were the defending Eastern Conference champion as a play-in team, little inspiration, if you will, for the you know the, kind of the plight the Grizzlies are mm-hmm. in right now, where they are. Now one and seven after last night's the, loss. They, they were also two minutes away from being knocked out of the playoff or knocked out of the play-in. But continue. <laughs> Regardless, mm-hmm. with how this season has started, I don't think I don't think anyone is uh, scoffing at a play-in berth at this point for the Grizzlies. Like if we get if we get the Grizzlies in the play-in at this point, that'd be that mean things have gone pretty well from here on out. Oh no, like. I, I think we're now at the point where we we have to have the very real conversation. Would you rather make the play in or miss it entirely and try to get like Oh, absolutely. I hope I hope that's not a debate. You obviously would want to be in the play in. If you're with viewing this group, but yeah. if you're viewing this as a lost season, aren't you better off trying to add another player because spoiler alert, this team needs more good players. I think you go you try to make the play in at all costs. I don't think you I don't think you tank or anything like that. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I got too many good players now. Think, like a bunch, of, like if Dez right. or someone get like Ja gets hurt, comes back and gets hurt, or you know right. you lose Dez or Jaron, or then maybe the calculation changes. But as long as you got those three guys, I don't think you're. I don't think you just you're not tanking. Unlike the previous time where we had to debate whether or not you should tank, this one it's very simple for me. You have Ja, Jaron, and Dez, and if you start tanking, well, this, it's going to send a. Horrible I tried message. to start this out by trying to spin this positive, Jeffrey. Right, we're already, we've already turned it to ta- potentially I'm talking about tanking. Because I'm better at spin zoning than you are. And I usually know where you would try to go, mm. and I can matumbo that crap. Okay. Well. Get it out of here. We got to talk Grizzlies to start today's show because, obviously, whether you're trying to spin this positive or negative, we have, it. you know, this is... This is not good. No one can no one no one on any side of the debate here can say this is good. <laughs> this is not good right now. And it's uh it's tough to think about the fact that like you don't I'm trying you don't want to think about the fact that like man is this the trajectory of this thing changing right before our eyes or is this just still just a blip? You know, or like not a blip, but a bump in the road type of thing. You know, like you you're you're, you're tra- and you 
I'm still at bump in the road in terms of the spectrum, but we've got to, we've got to discuss where our heads are at with the Grizzlies coming off another loss because like ultimately we said coming into this just win one. And we, you know, ultimately the the Utah one tomorrow night was the more winnable of the two. So if they can go win that, you know, like, you know, maybe you feel a little better going into the road trip. Well, if you win that one, you will officially not be the worst team in the NBA. Yes, you'll pass the Jazz. On win percentage. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll do that to start today's show. 2.40, we will continue the conversation with Eric Hasseltine. Uh, be interested to hear what he thinks. A week, a week, even a week ago, he seemed kind of like, oh boy, we're gonna you, like, gird yourselves for this start, you know. And then we'll 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 see where the chips fall after job. I'm curious a week later where he's at after going on the road with them. Yeah. So we of course we'll get into the list. We have yes. Jason Smith. Yes. All right. We got tasting. I want to tasting uh, menu might give us something to look forward to to take our minds off of uh, not primetime football. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy, it's not a great week, y'all. Oh no. Yeah. Now college football Saturday is pretty pretty strong. Okay. There you go. Like James right. strong. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. we'll get into that next hour. But let's let's start. Right, with I want to start so, with this first question. Okay. Before we get into everything else, I was thinking about this last night as I was grilling my wife and I a couple of pork chops. Okay. Should we have seen this coming? Because I think we got. We were so emotionally spent and drained from all of the jaw, the debate, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you started realizing like it went from jaw jaw flashing gun on Instagram to a uh, first or second amendment conversation, like it went, all of it. Everyone was just kind of spent. I almost think that we kind of lost sight of 25 games, like, I felt like we spent so much of the suspension length focusing on what it meant for Ja, which is, you know, no mm-hmm. NBA teams, no no well, they, awards it, and whatnot. Well, because every time in the last two years something like this has popped up, but they've done better. I'm not saying they've done perfect, but you, they, you've always kind of come away from these situations without Ja, without any player on the roster going, oh, they did better than I thought they were going to do, you know, given the circumstances. Like, the last two years – a spe- like even even without Jaw last year during the suspension, sure. like they kind of stabilized themselves as the suspension wore on, and it was like, yeah, they ended up like, uh, you know, not you know, they obviously didn't go seven and one or eight, you know during the no, eight games he missed, but they, they were won, like five hundred, whatever. They were they won their home games. Yeah, and so um, I think that's part of it is like they haven't had many stretches like this. Now, the one thing I went back and looked this up because to your point of should we have seen this coming. The reality is, if you go back to basically, it, if you really go, if you go back to the Shannon Sharp game in L.A., which was the game before Stephen Adams got hurt um, last year, including the playoffs, including these first eight games over the last fifty-two games, this team is twenty-three and twenty-nine, um, and so they haven't been playing great basketball. They haven't played great basketball for a while, like. They had like a winning streak in I want to say end of December last year. Remember they like lost yeah. the Christmas games and then like yeah. end of December beginning of January they went on a win streak right before they went out west. And like since then like they have they haven't been this bad, you know, but remember they lost the 8 of 9 at one point in January/February and then um now obviously they've lost 7 of 8 to start this year. Um you know, they're they're about to go, you know, they lost by 40 in the game six of, of the Lakers series. Like, it hasn't been, they haven't played great. And, like, a lot of it is because of the Jaw stuff. And so, should we have seen this coming? I don't know, because, like, I didn't see Jaw, like, completely self-combusting like this, no, 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 so I, to speak, I, coming. Like, okay, when I say see this coming, I meant the start, the, to, the this start to this season. Maybe. I mean, I, I think the Adams, I think we all just, and it was obviously a mistake, I think based on the front office's behavior in terms of not going, like you just kind of assumed Adams was going to be okay. And that's acceptable as a fan, given what the the smoke signals they've given out. As I've said previously, not probably, not not a good move by the front office ultimately. If there was any doubt that Steven Adams wasn't going to be available this year, you should have gotten and gone a big, gotten a big man. And maybe you could, you know, Biombo's been pretty good the last two games. 
So maybe, you know, maybe you're okay there now, but it's weird that you didn't prepare for it before the season. No, no, no. It's inexcusable. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like in, It's one of two situations. Either you knew that this was a possibility, which I think is the overwhelming likelihood, and you did nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Or you, yeah. Or everyone else in, is talking behind your back going, Adam's in plan. Adam's in plan. He's not playing. And you didn't know. I believe the phrase that was used by Zach was something's not right with something's something's not right with Adams. Right. Yeah. Both are terrible looks. Yeah. No, it's it, it's it's very clear if you look at this. And it's interesting because the conversations that are starting to pop up are natural like it's what happens with every, any team that's struggling like this. And like last year when they lost eight of nine, like they had a good record already, so it was like easier to like kind of just go, ah, they'll snap out of it. You know, like they'll snap at it. Remember, 80, like eighty-two games, like yeah, 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 and it happened. Even though, like, you know, that flunk. was technically worse from a record perspective than what we're at now, as of today. Um, just because they haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> um, I, you know, they can beat the Jazz tomorrow. Come on, right? They can, they can the also Jazz. lose, like they have. Yeah, I know. they've already lost to them once by a lot. Um, but no, Walker Kessler. Though. Okay, that's good. Good news. Good news. I think he's out for six weeks or something like that. We'll have to see the the Grizzlies. Yeah, you know, the, the injury report now. You know, every every time a new name appears, it feels like uh, someone leaves, someone comes off it, but then someone goes back on. It's like a serious question. Mm-hmm. Unless Ja or Becky Martin, unless Jaron or Dez are on there, mm-hmm. does it really matter? Yeah, like if you like didn't have Biombo again, you know, if you didn't, and Tillman's yeah. hurt still, like you know, like you'd be yeah. in, you'd be in a lot of trouble with your bigs uh, again. So I mean, yeah, they're they're down to you know, like the reality is when you. Because there's the there's the little picture of like how can they can they stay afloat and then there's the big picture of as you you've sort of addressed and people are starting to talk about the nat as I mentioned the natural conversation of like okay like what needs to be changed like what do we, what need do we need to fire the coach do we need to make a big trade do we need to all this and a couple thoughts that I've had watching this play out on social media is one. I still think, even though now you're one in seven, right? One in seven. Yes. I still think it would. You'll. I still think you need to wait until John ja Morant comes back to do any sort of. If you're like thinking, we got to shake things up, we got to do something major. I I really think until Ja comes back, it would feel. I think we would look back on it as like, you know, maybe you got it right, but I feel like you can maybe get it. You'll have a better sense of what to do. It'll be more clear what to do once you see this team with John ja Morant out there. Even if you dig yourself a really big hole that's ultimately insurmountable. I still think you need to wait to make that kind of whether it's if you if you decide the right move is fire the coach, if you decide it's make some major trade, if you decide it's you know, shake up the front office, if you decide it's whatever. Doing anything before John ja Morant comes back I think would be Short-sighted. Be a mistake, personally. I agree with you on that. Um, Two, I'm with you in that I don't think – I don't really put that much blame on Taylor Jenkins for the 1-7 start. I think, yes, there are some mistakes he's made. There were also mistakes he made over the course – there are similar mistakes that he he made over the course of 82 – game seasons the past two years when they won 50-some-odd games. The difference is that the personnel is not as good as the last two years. Every single year, we have an objective measurement. There's a win total at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Vegas sets it. Mm -hmm. He has surpassed it every single year. And, And, but I agree with the sentiment of, like, those who are saying, like, this is not the guy who is going to get this group over the top. I completely agree with you. If that's the rationale for making a move, you should have done it in the offseason. Not, I, I, like, not right now. I don't think it's going to serve you that much. You know who the best available coach on the free agent, like, who's out there right now? If you fired Taylor Jenkins? Mike Budenholz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the same guy. It's, you know, same guy with a championship. Well, there's also... Another issue here. His mentor. Well, yes. A, exactly. You can go get Doc, I guess. Doc Rivers. Terry Stotts, who just got, you know, like left abruptly from uh, Milwaukee as an assistant. 
the former Portland well, I think, coach. I think Fizdale's available again. Yeah, like, and so I I would say though, but I I think I might have said this even before they started one and seven. Like where they are at in their trajectory, like I think it's more likely than not this is Taylor Jenkins' last season as the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And so, but like, I also don't necessarily think I blame him for what's going on right now that yeah. much. I don't Personally, want, I don't. Some to, people disagree with me, but I still think I don't this will this, be his oh, last year coaching the team. I don't want this to get misconstrued and have, have people. I think the blame is misplaced on him, mm-hmm. and I also understand that's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. You don't blame your players; you blame mm-hmm. the coach. Yeah. Now. What I would point out, I believe the coaching in basketball matters less than any of the big sports. It is a roster sport. It's personnel always. Who you got? Like, for instance, I think the best coach in the NBA is Eric Spolstra. Mm -hmm. If Spolstra coaches this team, maybe they win last night because he's not on the other bench. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess you could make the argument they win the first Portland game. Yeah, like that that first Portland game. But the problem is, here's the problem with the Portland game that that gets left out of all the talk about Mm -hmm. that game was lost with the Marcus Smart turnover. Yes, but that Marcus not going to play it. Yeah, but if you watch that set, that set was really disjointed on the Marcus. Like it was not that was not a well executed set in that end game scenario, and that is a common trend with. Taylor Jenkins the last couple seasons, especially, you know, like he's gotten some, he's had some good moments, but it's mostly been like Jaws, you know, individual brilliance. But like the end of game execution was not great in that Portland game. And that's where you can make the art. Like, that's where I blame a little bit on coaching. Like that set where Marcus Smart turned the ball over, that was partly, partially, if you look at how that set played out, the spacing was bad. I don't know why they didn't execute it well, but they came out of a timeout and it was not like a great play. And I guess my my rebuttal to that is they're not a good half-court offense, and I don't think it's a scheme problem. They're not a good half-court offense right now because, mm. A, they don't have a point guard. Well, I think— And, B, they don't have enough shooting to space the floor. Well, so, therefore, everything looks disjointed because everyone play, can play them the same way. Well, here and here's the argument against Jenkins. He changed the offense, he changed the offense this offseason. He brought in that guy, Patrick St. Andrew. They changed the half-court offense because they haven't been good enough. That's the, that's what's killed yes. them in in the end. In the last two years, their half court offense hasn't been good enough. And the question is, it's very clear. Like that offense was designed to have John Morant and Stephen Adams. Like, should they be adjusting more because of the fact that they don't have those two guys? Like, you know, they like they're still running the same thing they were running in preseason, and the thing they kind of like. Should they have changed it up? Or go whatever, go back to what they were doing. Like, can he be making more adjustments? That's where I think did people they, are getting did, frustrated. Did they make a bad hire? Well, he. This is the other thing. He's got like you know, there's two new assistants on his staff. That's what I'm saying. You know, McClure left under some, frankly, mysterious circumstances. Like, kind of no one's. It's been not, not reported or explained yeah. yet. Darko, who was his kind of the offensive got mm-hmm. assistant, the guy who kind of was the offensive coordinator, is now the Toronto Raptors head coach. And he brought in this Patrick St. Andrew guy who was with Budenholzer, I believe, right? He was with, I think he was. I thought he came from the Heat. No, that's Anthony Carter who replaced David McClure. He's like a player development guy from the Heat. But then Patrick St. Andrew came in and he's kind of the, he he helped master, whatever, create, whatever, devise whatever offense they're running right Mm -hmm. now. But um, at the same time, you know, like, it's, it's going to be tough to win with the personnel they got, and it goes, it's it's multi layered because ultimately, when you look up and down this roster, they went from having, like the reality is, they had the best like eight through fifteen in the league in terms of guys on your roster, like number eight through number fifteen. Two years ago, I think there's I think they had the best eight through fifteen in the league. I don't, that wasn't enough to win a championship very clearly because eight through fifteen in the playoffs doesn't matter that much, but in the regular season, that's how. That's how they were good in the regular season is that they were so their depth was so good. And now like they, they've ruined their their depth. Their depth is not there anymore. They, you know, these rookies or these these draft picks that they bet on being cheap kind of replacement level, if you will, like you know, being the equivalent of 
Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton and you know whoever else. They haven't they haven't worked out. None of them have. Like none of them. And combine it with a couple unfortunate breaks, the Brandon Clark injury, the Steven Adams injury, like all of a sudden it's been exposed. Like the reality is, if you look at it, we're in year five of of the of Zach Kleiman running the front office, and the way it, it breaks down is like he's had two two good off seasons, feels like, and then like two real like two off seasons in a row. Maybe you could argue three off seasons in a row where things just haven't gone that like he has not done a great job in terms of getting this team, you know, this team to another level. You know, you had the the year where they made the Valanciunas Adams trade, which. I think is def- more defensible than the other stuff, even though Zaire hasn't worked out. Adams, uh, I'm f- in the end. Like I don't. You gave up Valanciunas. I've, I've, I've watched enough Zaire to know I've seen enough. I don't have a problem with the thought process on that one. That one was you thought you could take a swing, a and, big and swing. if Adams was healthy, you'd feel it'd, it'd be like feel you'd feel more like well, you know, at least we got Adams out of the deal. But now that he's hurt, it does ruin. It kind of. I do think it is a. It's not a win of a trade, that's for sure. At this point, with Adams' injury looming, you know, looming over this, will he play for the Grizzlies again? I don't know. Um, and then the fact that Zaire in year three looks like he's nothing more than an end of a rotation guy. Yes. Um, and so um, you've got that. But then obviously the last two off seasons just have not gone as as planned. Um, I mean, the draft. I've said a couple times now. I think the twenty twenty two NBA draft will be remembered as, like, Zach Kleiman's worst day as GM of the Grizzlies. So there's a couple of points here. I do agree with you. You are better off not doing anything until Ja comes back. Mm-hmm. Primarily because it gives you a cleaner picture of, yeah, okay. what do we need? Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you on that. The problem that I have is I see right now a lot of pre-excuses. Mm-hmm. The injuries, which... Mm-hmm. To be clear, I'm not saying that like those are nothing. Now, two of the injuries that get brought up, one you knew about with Clark. Mm-hmm. Like you knew. Yeah, you knew you weren't going to have him correct. most of the year at the very least. Adams, you should have known. Either you did or you, you should have prepared for it. Correct. That's what it's not should have known. Correct. You should have prepared for it. The problem that I see is it feels like you're setting up the situation where the excuses are going to distract well, we'll the, the excuses are going to distract you from what the actual main point is. And what the main point is even when like like set that aside. The problem is the rest of what they've added is not good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's very obvious at this point. Like I'm still willing to We are only 8 games in. I don't but Mark. A tenth of the season is over. A tenth. Okay. Not even a tenth. How like how does this team get better? They add John Morant. Okay. And they try to pull off a move. Okay. But we agree it's about who's on the floor. Unless you can pull together like some sort of trade. Like, I mean No no, the- no but okay, so this is I guess I'm not making my point clearly. They have consistently, the last three years, gotten worse. Yes. Well, since, I mean, basically since the Warriors series. Correct. They've gotten worse. Yeah. and That was two years ago, I think. The other way that I would look at it is... Less than two years ago. Sometimes you flip a coin and you guess right. What is going to be the most damning of this entire operation, in my opinion is the 22 draft because it is so obvious what happened. And everyone went along with it because of the record at that point. But that was such a we're the smartest men in the room draft. Mm -hmm. Taking LaRavia and taking Roddy. And think about it this way. Well, it's not just taking. It wasn't just that they missed on the picks. It was that they traded a bunch of stuff that could have been used to go, like, that could have been used – you know, maybe last year to go get Ananobi or someone, then they used it on that. Okay, but I guess I would even argue this. I understand the logic of we know we're going to have to pay these three guys, mm-hmm. Des, Jaron, Ja. 
Like, we're going to have to find some cheaper options. Like, mm-hmm. I, I understand that that's a reality. You could have gotten, are you telling me they could have gotten Christian Braun? Christian Brown, break board. I mean, listen. It's ultimately though, like they they like got this, a, they're scouted. Is, they didn't they they're, they didn't know, do the right and, scout. And, and if this you will. is this well, they started believing it. Like they started believing smartest men in the room. And further, the other thing I would argue is talent identification is not just the draft. They've not done a good job of players that they have picking the right ones. Mm-hmm. Well, in, on the back half of the roster. I mean, it's just, listen, we can second guess all day, and, like, I think it's warranted that, like, they, they deserve criticism, but it's also, like, I also don't think it's time to, like, I don't, I, I ultimately am not giving up on this group eight games into the season. I still think there is a route in which they can be, like, a play-in team, that they can start reeling off some wins. Especially once John Morant comes back and play it, you know, I, I don't think they're a serious contender in the Western Conference very clearly. Um, and I do think the way they've started the season, if you were to go, what's the most likely outcome for the end of this season? I think it's shifted to because of how they've played. It's shifted probably to again. It's not the probably overwhelming thing, but it's like a plurality outcome is that they'll miss the playoffs and be like in the lottery, high lottery, if you will, like the you know, 11th, 12th, 13th pick in the draft. I think that's probably, with the way they've started, the most likely outcome of this season. But I still think it's a an outcome that can happen is them regrouping at some point here, the you know, them hitting rock bottom at some point soon and recovering enough by the end of the season to work their way back into the play-in mix. I think that could still happen. I, I don't I mean, think that's I don't think that's unreasonable to think. Okay, I'm with you. Like that's that is very much but the larger point is Yes. This is supposed to be the championship so, window. So what are you saying? The competitive do you, do you window. Want, are you are you saying we need to make changes? Is that what you're saying? Eight games into the season? Like are you saying right now, eight games in the season, not necessarily that you make them now, but like what you seem to be implying is like, I don't know if I trust Zach Kleiman to make the moves to improve this team. Yes. That's the problem. Like, I, I don't think that they have. I so think you, what he's been very good at when he was in a seller's market. So you, sold, want, you want to get rid of the front office. I'm get, All I'm saying is I cannot stand the idea that what I think what actually irritates me is it feels like most of the blame is going towards Taylor Jenkins. And I think most of the blame should be going upstairs. Mm-hmm. The problem is the roster's not good. And you have two. This is the other thing, Mark. So, They're one in seven. Jaron last night played his ass off. Mm-hmm. And Desmond Bain didn't De- make shots, but he played hard. Not only that, like, Des, they've both been like top 25 type players. If you look at their numbers, efficiency, everything, they've been top 25 players so far, sample size small, whatever. Throw out the qualifiers. And they're still one in seven. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that you're now, now I will say the one problem is it's a little misleading because it's only been like the one of the issues I think it's again pretty low on the issues list, but they haven't played well very much at this in the same game. Like both of them haven't. There's a couple games where they have both gone off and they still lost. No, I mean ironically, but not all of them. It's the it's not the, not a majority. The of two them. Portland games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because like last night it was Jaron, but not Dez, and you know, so it. it but again, that's pretty low in terms of the problems, the the issues the Grizzlies had. That one's pretty low on the list right now. Um, that they can't get the, it going the at the same point, time. The whole point that I'm making though is, you have these three guys to build around. There should be no one that's untouchable mm-hmm. in terms of figuring out ways to improve this, mm-hmm. because. Those are the only three guys that matter. And now you've set yourself up to where, like, I don't know if you you cannot plan next year. You can't just sit there and go, they'll come back healthier next year. No, well, I, I, I just think where I'm at is, like, I, I'm with you in terms of, like, I think the front office, I think Zach Kleiman, you know, messed this up. Like, he, you know, like, he kind of, he you know, he had something good brewing and – 
You know, he fiddled with it too much. He added too much. He, he took, you know, like he fiddled with the recipe a little too much. I guess this is. This, and, but I'm willing to. I, I'm here, not at a point an, where I wouldn't give him another chance this offseason to fix it. Here's an honest question that I have. Because if you think back to the summer with how dramatic everything was around Ja, should there have been all the emphasis on using roster spots? building a team so that you could somehow, like, help Ja off the court. Well, he just, I mean, I don't think they did the smart move because of that. I think they did the smart move because they wanted Marcus Smart. I think the only move you can really say they did because of that was Derrick Rose. And I was okay with it at the time. To me, like, you could have worked around that if you really, if you felt you needed that if you needed Derrick Rose, I'm not, uh, that to me is like, you know, uh, you could have worked, you can work or you could have worked around. I had no problem with, I have no problem with Derrick Rose being on this team, even if it's like, even if he doesn't really contribute in a major way again, the rest of the year, I, I think it was a, I see why they did it. I understand why they did it. And, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't think that, that is not where my issue lies with them. You could have used it for another big. I would also ask this. But you could have, like, if you, my problem with that argument is, like, I still don't think they should have, like, if you don't like, like, it doesn't feel like they like Kenny Lofton as a player. Whether they're right or wrong on that, like, it's very clear he gets, like, he's, he's not, he's not used, he doesn't get the same sort of rope everyone else on the roster gets. It, like, strikes me as, like, they don't really like him as a player that much. And, like, again, I don't know if they're right or wrong on that. They might be proven to be wrong on that. But if you don't like someone as a player that much, like you literally signed Biombo and immediately started using him way more than Kenny Lofton. Like you should just was, never signed Kenny Lofton. Why'd you sign him? Was it the Bear, the Bears, or someone? The Bears had a running back that the coaching staff would always play, and then finally the GM just traded him so they couldn't mm-hmm. play him. Yeah, like there is like that element. Like if it's if it becomes that, then don't make it be an option. Yeah, and it's just like like but now here's here's the question though because I'm willing listen. I'm willing to acknowledge and accept that I got this wrong. Am I misplacing blame on front office climbing when in reality the biggest problem right now is John Morant's not on the floor? I don't think – I think both things are true. I think you are I, – I don't think you are misplacing blame on Zach Kleiman, but I also think the biggest issue is still – and the biggest issue that derailed this franchise ultimately is the fact that John Morant, you know, had those two Instagram videos. Dera- like we're basically watching two seasons go off the rails, in part because of Jaw's decision making last year, um, both directly and indirectly. Like this season would not be like I don't know if this season would be a great number two seed type of season if Jaw was playing right now. They wouldn't be one in seven, and us like. You know, worrying about the world coming apart over at FedEx Forum. Like, if Ja was playing, they would have won a couple more of these games and they'd be like three and five. And you'd be like, well, off to a slow start, but they've done this the last couple. They got off to slow starts the last couple years, too. Like, ultimately, that's the biggest problem. He's not playing. And who you, what you thought, like, this time last year was like a surefire, like, oh my God. This is the greatest player that the Memphis Grizzlies have ever had and may ever have. This is like our franchise. This guy is like going to be one of the four or five biggest stars in the NBA, and he's a Memphis Grizzly. To now, like a, literally, you know, a year later, now you're like, what ty- you know, is he going to be able to stay on the straight and narrow? You know, when he comes back, is what type of player is he going to be when he comes back? You know, like, is he going to be able to fix his career, so to speak? Like, you don't know. There's all this uncertainty beyond that, and so, and then, all of that is then compounded by the fact that, man, they don't look good without him out there right now. I mean, to me, like that's the whole crux of the argument. is It's not necessarily about this season. What is alarming to me is when I watch this team play. Even when I factor in Ja comes back, I just sit there and go, that team's not going to be good enough. Well, and I think to your, you know to the point of like when you know we're for playing the blame game with Jenkins and Kleiman, like ultimately these guys, you know, like 
Zach Kleiman's younger than me and, like, didn't have a ton of front office experience when he got this job. He's got Rich Cho with him, who's a longtime, you know, was the was the, you know, was the Hornets exact, Tayshawn, um, and, and, you know, and then you got Taylor Jenkins, who's, you know, ultimately, you know, the reality is if you really wanted to paint, like, a negative picture of Taylor Jenkins, like, it's, you can do it. Like, last year he lost control of his biggest star, mm-hmm. lost control of him, you know, like, ultimately, yeah. like, um, and, um, both playoff runs pretty like, eh, like, you know, not Un- the, not underwhelming, Un- underwhelming performances. The word that came to mind was uneven. Yeah. Uneven. Yeah. It was like, you know, yeah, you're right. Uneven. It was like, kind of like, eh, like he didn't really, he, ne- even in the Timberwolf series, it was like, you're never like, oh, I, I still think it's the biggest panic move I've ever seen a coach have. <laughs> you were never like. Man, Taylor Jenkins is out coaching the hell out of Chris Finch. Yes. <laughs> you know, like you never really were saying that. So, um, you know, you can and and so that's why like I like I said, whether he deserves it or not, my gut tells me how this season plays out, unless it like turns around dramatically and this team like advances around in the playoffs, which seems like very <laughs> that seems like way off in the future and not really reasonable to be suggesting right now. Like someone's going to quote unquote pay for this being a quote unquote lost season if that's what it turns into. Well, it's going to be Taylor Jenkins. That's yeah. the way that works. And so, Kleiman's going to get Kleiman's going to get a longer leash than Taylor Jenkins will. Yes, but the wild card in all this is, you know, we have an owner that we have not heard from in years. So I have no idea how he thinks about basketball decisions. Because well, I mean, ultimately, this is going to, you know, like this is going to be, he's going to have to okay this. Anything. Whether it's Jenkins getting fired or you know, certainly if, if if they're moving on from climbing, that's a hit, that's his call. Yeah, I, 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 and I don't know. I have no idea. I've never spoken to the man in my life. Yeah, I suspect, and again, this is not even informed se- speculation. The way that it always works, it'll be the same thing. The coach, they'll get a new coach. Mm-hmm. And then Kleiman will get a chance to redo it. I, but I don't think they're going to – if I had to guess today, I would guess that they win enough over the next – and, again, I don't know how many that's going to be. But he's not going to get fired before Ja comes back. And they will win enough when Ja comes back. That he, Like, I don't think they're I, – I, my guess, if I had to guess today, I don't think Taylor Jenkins gets fired before the season ends. But I would also predict that this is his last season as the coach. That's how I would predict this plays out. I think that's probably right. I will say, though, I mean, Mark, you look at the schedule. Yeah, no. I mean, the question is, like, if they are 4-21. and 21, Yes. Are they can't, they can't, or they'd probably do it before Ja comes back. If they're 4-16 and 16 or 3-17, and 17, are they canning Taylor Jenkins? My suspicion is probably. Yeah? Yes. Hmm. Unless Ja says no, mm-hmm. which A, are I, you? do you want to give Ja that kind of power a, given what he's done over the last year? I don't know if he does. And B, I don't get the sense that Ja would do that. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Ja, does, I, I don't get the sense Ja dislikes Taylor Jenkins, but I also don't get the sense he'd uh, run in front of a moving right. train yeah. for him. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like in the end, so. in the end, Budenholzer was done when, remember when Giannis gave that weird answer? After they got yeah. beat, and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, this is over. Yeah. Like, that's, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like uh It wasn't, I want a new coach, yes. but it was also it like, w- you know, if you give me a new coach, oh. I will not be oh, opposed. Oh, I'm sorry you took it that way. <laughs> well, things are not good for the Grizzlies, but maybe they'll get off the schneid tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz and split this Homestand. We'll talk to Eric Hasseltine about it next. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN. 21. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the next generation 10G network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Working on getting Eric Hasseltine on the line. So a couple of thoughts, Mark. Jeff posed this question, and I'll, I'll let Eric answer it, actually. Eric, if you were setting a line 
between the 0203 Grizzlies. I think that was your first year, correct? No, 0102. How okay. dare you? Sorry, I beg your pardon. I, I, I worked through spectacular ineptitude in 01. Okay, so the 0203 team will stipulate after Hubie took over. What would the line be between what the Grizzlies have right now and that team? Oh, that's totally different. It's not even close. The 0203 team had two second-year players that were one one rookie of the year. One was a you know a Wooden Award winner in Shane Battier. You still had the hope of uh, Stromile Swift, and then you had Jason Williams, Lorenzo Wright, Jason Williams, Lorenzo Wright. Bet there was Mike, there were Mike Miller there. was on that team too, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid year. Traded for a mid-year. Yeah, yeah. Mike Miller, Ryan Humphrey, you traded Drew Gooden, who had been your pick, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. They were trying to make Drew Gooden into something he was not, and Hubie realized that. The difference here is that team wasn't ravaged by injuries and a suspension. This team is. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about this, and I hear it with everybody, and look, I know the record. To it, I see everything. See things happen, you go, how, how is this happening? You're like, well, you take, in fact, the, the heat broadcasters last night and I talked and they're like, you guys are just, this is hard to watch for you guys. Cause then we have a mutual respect with all of us. You take the top player, scorer, top offensive rebounder, rim, you know, pick and roll guy, pick and roll defender, and then you take your best athlete off the bench and then two other rotation players. And now that's back down to only one because Santi and Luke are back, but Derek's out. No one's going to win. No one in this league wins. I don't care. Everybody's like, oh, look at the, what the rookies and the young guys are doing. They were rookies and young guys to be developed because you had a deep roster. They're like, well, other, other rookies have developed. Yeah, they got to play 70, 80 games of legitimate NBA minutes. It changes it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying they've hit home runs on every pick and we're just not seeing it. What I'm saying is everybody is instantaneously ready to react when this situation is one of the rarest that I've seen in 23 years here and three years in Sacramento and have gotten confirmation from plenty of other people I trust around the league, scouts, broadcasters, coaches, like you guys are just, you know, you're you're playing an all-in poker game with a 2-8 start, and you're already all in blind. You're not going to win. It's tough. It's not like the guys aren't trying. They just are, they're, you know, you're running ninth, 10th, 11th guys in your rotation up to the 4th, 5th, 6th spots against guys on other teams that are in the top five. You know, Miami's not dumb. Like, Miami lost Tyler Hero, but they, they okay, so they lost one guy. Other than that, that's it. For the most part, really, really key guys. They're missing some guys. There's no question. And the Lakers are missing key guys. And other teams are missing key guys that are losing. When you're healthy, you win. That's just the bottom line. And not only are they not healthy, their job makes everything easier for everybody. He just does. You know, look, Marcus Smart is a really talented basketball player, but he's not the facilitator jaw is. That's not what he's supposed to do. With this roster, he's supposed to be – the guy that is your defensive stopper, and when Ja breaks down the defense, or they run at Dez, or they run at Jaron, Marcus is supposed to be open to either drive or shoot a three. Now he's having to create. It's just, it, I mean, it just is what it is. And you got 25 games of this until you get your guy back, and you're just hoping you don't dig a deep enough hole, but, you know, the numbers are the numbers. We saw something today. I think there's been, you know, however many teams that have started with this record, and three have made the playoffs. Of those teams, I would doubt that they had a player of the caliber of John Morant coming back in, you know, 15, 16, 17 games, whatever it is now. I think Mark looked it up. There was a year where, like, the Sixers with Iverson. Uh, well, then, but they didn't, they didn't start one and seven. They got, they got a little better. No, there's a, the Phoenix Suns without when Kevin Johnson was hurt at the beginning of the year one year yep. in the mid 90s yep. made the playoffs after starting 0 13, actually. Um, yeah. Now uh, they ended up, Firing their coach and Danny Ainge became the coach midway through the year. Um, I remember that. Yeah, that's one. But then, that, like, none of the here's the the reality is the problem is 
is there is precedent that teams make the playoffs. The problem is it's gonna it's like it's damn near impossible to get a decent seed at this point. You know when you start oh, off this no slow. You know no, like no. yeah you know and then so it becomes hard to advance in the playoffs when you start this slow during a season because you're gonna end up. You know, like you know, like honestly, like if you told me right now the Grizzlies are a play-in team, I'd be like, great, like that'd be great. Right. Like, you know, like right. ultimately, right now, you're trying, you're trying to right now. That's your target. Let's get ourselves back into striking distance of the play-in tournament until we get the guy back as best we can. And look, their schedule hasn't done them any favors. Let's be honest about it. That's the defending Eastern Conference champions that were in here last night. Not a bunch of uh, scrubs that you picked up in a city park, you open with a Pelicans team that when fully healthy, a lot of people believe is the top six team in the West. Like you talk to scouts, coaches, they, they haven't shown it because they haven't been fully healthy. Zion's never healthy. CJ McCollum gets banged up. When you have Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas in your starting five, that is a really good basketball team. You lose to them on opening night. You face the defending world champions in game two. You draw the schedule loss of all schedule losses. If there's ever something to put to the NBA about, hey, just look at the schedule and think it through sometimes. And if you absolutely have to do it, three games in four nights against a Wizards team that didn't play since Wednesday, their home opener, trying to draw interest. And by the way, you're also missing your guys. That was a – Jeffrey, you and I talked about it off the air. I, I, I told you, I said, this is like – if you win this, this is an incredible win, and no one will credit it for that. But when you break in the circumstances, that's a, that's a massive win because you, you, if you're at all basketball savvy, that's not going to – you're not going to win that game if you, in your head. And I well, went especially into the considering like, well, you the night before. The first two. It's not you're, – you're going 0-3. Well, and especially when you consider night before, it was like – down to the last possession or whatever, you know, the whatever last, yes. you know, it was, it was down to the last 30 seconds. Against the Nuggets. Yes. And then, oh, by the way, you started an hour early, but because the game was tight, there were a lot of timeouts, so it really didn't impact it that much. You got to fly to one of the longest bus rides in the league. You can't fly into Reagan on a, on a charter flight. You got to fly to Dulles. Anybody that's ever flown to D.C., Dulles is, and Denver are the two longest bus rides. Two longest bus rides. So not only do you lose an hour in air, you've got a 45-minute bus ride. And so, again, I'm not making excuses. The schedule's the schedule. You've got to play it. But that was stacked against you. Okay, so now you come back home. And you got the one team out of the Southwest that has been a thorn in your side when they're healthy in Dallas. And you got Luka Doncic who's playing out of his mind. And they played them tough. The, the one that kills you is the Portland loss where you dropped the, the, the lead. And Utah, you got there. It's Again, you're, you're reeling. Utah just puts the pressure on you. I'm not making excuses for them. I'm saying if you look at it and just take a breath while you look at it rather than just look at the record, I mean, it's like looking at a guy on a bad team that's averaging 30 points and going, oh, he's an all-star. Well, yeah, he's scoring 30 points a game. The rest of the team's scoring 60, and they're getting their brains beaten out every night. He's the best scorer they have. Is he truly a 30-point-per-game NBA scorer? No. Just like this team is truly not a team that's at the bottom of the league standings when they're right. Problem is, they're not right. And that's why, in a lot of like slang terms, NBA stands for no babies allowed. You don't get to cry about it. You created this situation for one reason. The other reasons are you know, injuries that happen to everybody. Suck it up and deal with it. Toughen up, buttercup. You got to play. What should a realistic target be for the remaining, whatever now, I guess, 17 games? So, you know, it, like we talk about, you know, you got to kind of recalibrate, reset. What should the target be for the night before Ja gets back? It's a great question because it's, it's easy to quantify when you look at games, but the Clippers are a team that, you, you know, you got your Friday game against Utah at home. They have shown that like they're different on, on their home court than they are on the road. I think you should target that as a win. I think you should try to target splitting in L.A. minimum, if not trying to win both, because both teams are beat up. If Anthony Davis is out, the Lakers are a different team. The Clippers are still figuring it out. They are having an issue of chemistry. And again, when they picked up James Harden, Jeffrey, again, you and I talk off the air, I said, how many 
How many of those guys are going to have the ball in their hands at one time? One. You got four that need it. Could be a problem. It's going to be a challenge for the coach. So you try to figure that out. It is an early start. That's where you, you get fearful. Then you look at San Antonio. Obviously, Victor Wembanyama is playing well. When on ESPN, they're going, disappointing night for Wemby. And he had 14 points. Most rookies, when they score 14 points, their fan base is going bananas, going, look at the potential. This guy, if he's not scoring 22 a night, it's going to face the what happened. We'll have to see with that. But that's at San Antonio. Then you come home and, you know, you get through all of it. I, I don't think you can quantitatively put a number on it because you don't know what's going to happen night in, night out. Somebody else could get dinged up. Somebody else could, you know, just be struggling, however it goes. I think, you know, initially you were trying to, say, toil around 500. Obviously, at 1-7, and seven, getting back to 500 is really tough. You got to try to strive. Is what do we have? Like you said, one and eight, so seventeen games late. Yeah. If you can get to, if you can get to ten, that's great. That's great because you're playing above five hundred basketball. If you get to eight, you're playing around five hundred basketball. Less than eight, you've dug yourself a hole. And they're not looking at it that way. I know that for a fact. They're looking at it one game at a time. But at some point, you have to do the math. And if you if Jock comes back and you're seven and eighteen. To get into the postseason, you have, what, 57 games left? And usually you need to get into the playing tournament at least 41 wins. So you're, what, 7 and 18? You got to go 34 and 23? Yeah. Okay. Possible. Certainly possible. So seven, I think, is the bare minimum. It's possible because you don't know that 41 gets you in. Now you're talking about. 35, you know, every win you put on, you take a loss off, that record starts to look a whole lot better. And then you start getting into the 40 and 17, 57 games into the season is probably a top two seed. Are you going to be a top two seed? Not not just getting John Morant back, but you still have Brandon Clark and Steven Adams out. Uh, that's tough. That's really tough. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened when they lost those two guys last year. They drew the worst draw possible. And believe me, I'll never forget.